As we prepare to hear God's word, let's pause and pray to God. Lord, you are always speaking, but we might not always be listening. And yet there are some here in the space or who are tuning in at home who are eager or who are longing deep down to hear what you might have to say, some good news for their lives this morning. And so I pray that you would speak through the words of Scripture, through this message, throughout this whole service, so that we might hear that good news, that grace and truth that you're always providing us, that we might hear that this morning and carry it with us into this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the past couple weeks, uh, we've been going through a series, The King and the Kingdom. And we've really been looking at God and who God is as a leader. God is a benevolent creator. God is a mighty rescuer who, and fighter for the oppressed and the lowly. God is willing to listen and kind of argue it out in relationship with his people. And God is somebody who doesn't withhold the best reserves, but gives it to us, gave his son what was most dear to him, even though God knew that his son would not be crowned as a king, but cast out and crucified. Over the past couple weeks, we've been looking really at, at God, and, and today we're going to take a turn and begin considering the other part of that phrase, the king and the kingdom. We're going to be looking at what the kingdom is and what that means for us. And how do we respond? Because God, as this true ruler, right now ruling and guiding and shaping this world with overwhelming compassion, unfailing love, strength for those who need it, desires for you and for me for us in this world to flourish. And when I say that God wants us in this world to flourish, I mean that God wants us to grow into who God had created us to be, fashioning us so wonderfully well in our mother's womb. God wants us to mature and feel really content within the home of our own hearts. Flourishing means working through the old, lifeless parts of ourselves that don't really fit anymore and that aren't helping us, and letting those die so that God can create new life in its place. Flourishing means really using gifts that we have and talents to find and live into purposeful things. And that is such good news, right? God wants you and me and everybody and everything in this world to flourish. And God's committed to that happening. Such awesome news. But for all of God's action, there is something required of us. This growth that I'm talking about, this flourishing that I've been explaining, is something that requires of us a response. We need to respond in order to grow into this, in order to flourish. Because after all, very few things happen without action. I know over the past six or seven months, um, 
let's just say my, my mild time is back to where it was in about fifth grade, or perhaps a little worse <laughs> on a good day. In fact, uh, the only thing that comes to mind that grows when left alone are the science projects in the back of the refrigerator, <laughs> right? But I think when we, you know, live a year more or look back on our lives from a certain point of view, we want to say that our lives ended up looking like a beautiful plant that flowered and bloomed and grew and flourished rather than our lives looking like something that was sitting in the back of a refrigerator. So this response, over the next couple weeks we'll be talking about this, the kingdom of God, how do we respond to this kingdom that Jesus announced and brought? And today, we're going to be looking at one specific response, one specific way of being, a spiritual practice, and the theme of it, the word that we're going to be exploring is humility. And what we're going to do, we're going to define it using Philippians, a letter that Paul, follower of Christ, wrote, and then we're going to go into the first part of Mark and kind of tinker around there, looking at um, the response that people were making to Jesus showing up on the scene. So first about that, that definition, as, as we think about growth in life, um, humility is a really important character trait. And humility is commonly defined, I, I was actually surprised when I looked this up, because I always had this positive view of what humility is. But when I looked at the definition, it says, having a low or moderate view of yourself. <laughs> Which is just such an unmoving and unflattering definition, right? it's not very inspiring. And I personally don't want to be defined in that way. So I want us to have a different, better, more inspiring definition of humility to think about as it guides us. The definition I want to provide you with comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. The Philippians are a group of people in uh, Philippi, this ancient city. And the, the, the way in which humility... Um, was important to them and, and why Paul was talking to them about humility as a way of life is because they lived in a culture that uh, thought that bravado um, in all of life was a really great thing and that everybody had to kind of be like a macho man, um, which brings to mind the, the group, the village people, all in togas and other kind of associated Roman uh, <laughs> kind of jobs at the time. Anyway, We'll stop that thought process. Uh, Paul is helping the Philippians think about what it might look like to live differently in this day and age and suggests humility as a better way to go a better, and provides a better definition of humility for us. Paul says this. You might be familiar because we went through this. It's Philippians 2. I believe it starts in verse 11. He says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mindset, the same attitude as Jesus be in you. Because though he was God, he didn't think that equality with God was something to to grasp and to cling to. Instead, he gave up all those divine privileges and took up this humble position as a servant of the whole world. And he was born in human form. And when he appeared in human form throughout his ministry, throughout his life, he humbled himself 
in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And because he humbled himself, because he made this downward movement of humility, of self-offering, what happened? God, Paul writes, elevated him to the highest place of honor, raised him not just in his body to new life, but in his status and putting him above every place and ruler and power on earth so that the name of Jesus, everyone would confess that he is Lord. Jesus defines humility by the way that he came and showed selflessness throughout his life and how God glorified that. He had all the power in the world, but he didn't cling to it. He let it go. He emptied himself. He became a servant, becoming open to the needs of others. And for all this letting go, God was pleased to raise him up. So Jesus is this picture of humility. And here at Limwood, we strive to go through the Gospels and learn the stories of Jesus's life in order to know more deeply Jesus's Jesus' way of being humble so that we might see that as the example, learn it, and incorporate that into who we are. And so while, so we have Jesus in Philippians as the definition, as the defining example of what it looks like to be humble, a better, more inspiring one than we get in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. But I want to think about what it looks like to begin to respond in, in, with humility and live into Jesus' kingdom. And to do that, we'll, we'll go into the first segment of Jesus' ministry, starting with the Gospel of Mark, which was the first gospel to be written. In Mark's gospel, it's at the very beginning, it starts out like this. It says, This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the chose, meaning the chosen one, the king and true leader who would lead God's people, God's own son. So when Jesus enters the story in chapter one of Mark, he's, just a quick synopsis, he's baptized, he goes on a 40-day camping trip out in the wilderness, which is anything but glamping, and after that, he comes back, and this is the part where we'll, we'll connect back into scripture, this is chapter 1 of, verse, of Mark, verse 14. Later on, after John was arrested, John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The, ti- the time promised by God has come at last, Jesus announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. I wanted to dive into this one sentence, this one phrase to to wrap our minds around humility. And the first thing that I want to say about humility as a powerful spiritual characteristic to take up in our life um, is that spiritual growth and flourishing begins with being humbled. One way that we are humbled is that we realize and recognize the power of what Jesus is saying when he says that 
the kingdom of God has come near. I believe that this is, a, this is a humbling phrase because true flourishing and getting it right does not begin with our ascent and our work and us being all right and getting on the right plan and us fulfilling that plan. No, it begins with God's descent to us, God's coming, God coming close, God interrupting the regularly scheduled program of our thoughts and ambitions. And so our flourishing is not solely on us and our job to accomplish. We do not save and we do not sanctify, make right ourselves. God starts our growth. God sustains our growth. And God is there to see us through it. So that's the first thing I want to say about uh, humility. The second thing I want us to consider about humility is the, is the mindset that helps us. Paul said, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. The second phrase that, that um, Jesus said when he came on the scene, the scene, the kingdom of God is here, and then he said, repent of your sins. The word for repent in the Greek is kind of interesting. Um, it literally means meta, uh, it's, it's the word metanoia, meta meaning after, and then noia meaning um, like thinking or thought. So it means an afterthought, a result of changing one's mind and coming to a different way of thinking. In the Old and New Testaments, it was, it was a way of suggesting someone who had completely turned around and gone the opposite direction from the, the way that they were going before. It's the way I think about it, it's like those, those baseball players who really smack a ball into outfield and the outfielder misses it. And so they're able to go all the way to third and they might think they can get home. So they pass on third only to see the ball thrown into home and they have to like retreat. And so repenting is kind of like that retreat back to third base, that scamper and that scurry to third Repentance is a change of course and going the other way. So when Jesus shows up, he's yelling out, hey everybody, stop following who you're following. Stop what you're doing right now. Don't go a step further, but turn toward me. Turn from ugly habits. Turn from people you're surrounding yourself with. Turn and come to me. And so humility, I think, is, is the ability to respond in that way. Humility is the ability to be, to be self-aware and a, a willingness internally to search out what is actually going on within us. Let's put that in contrast, in contrast to what humility is. In contrast, the opposite of humility would be pride, arrogance, conceit. Someone who's not humble is somebody who has their own agenda and is uncompromising, has their own idea of how things are going to get worked out and can't receive any other feedback. It's someone who has a tight grip on life. It's someone who cannot let anybody else speak into their life and running perhaps so fast in one direction they can't be bothered by Jesus' call to turn around. And I think that I'm saying all these things and I believe that each one of us in our own way wrestles with this, in our own way struggles with humility, struggle with openness to hear Jesus' call to turn around. 
And the troubling thing is that when we don't turn around, when we don't listen, when we, when we don't hear that call, instead of flourishing, life can be really frustrating or exhausting. There's a quote by Thomas Merton, who's this old monk. He's a wise fellow, and I, I love what he said. He says, pride makes us artificial, but humility makes us real. Pride makes us artificial, but humility makes us real. Jesus' call to turn around is, is to life that is abundant, a life that's not fake, not the fake selves that we dress up, the roles that we have to play when we're at work or at school, the masks that we wear in relationships, not the ones we have on right now. Jesus' call is a call away from all those things, toward life, toward flourishing. A heart that is humble helps us to hear when Jesus calls us. A heart that is humble is not puffed up. It's not running after the prizes and the wants. It's open to what comes in life. A heart that is humble helps us to hear and get on the right path that leads to flourishing. So the last thing that I wanted to say is that humility is something of a process, something that we keep on coming back to and having to work on through our life, that we have to venture into again and again. The last words of that phrase, so Jesus said, the kingdom is near, reminding us that, that God is the one who initiates our flourishing in the life that we are to have in this world. It says repent, so we have to have the openness to turn around sometimes when Jesus is calling us away from things that aren't helping us flourish. But lastly, Jesus says, trust this good news. Trust this good news. Trust that God is at work in you and around you. Trust that God won't stop that work even if you do. Trust that even if being humble is hard, and even if it takes humiliation to be humble, that God will see us through. Let's pray. Lord God, between the words that I have said, the words that have been heard, the thoughts and reflections that have gone on in the hearts and minds here and at home, I pray that you would be powerfully present, speaking and guiding us, your people, toward that vision of life and flourishing that your son Jesus came to bring. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.